Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Nestled between another busy football weekend and Thanksgiving, it is Writer Than You on this Monday morning on CBS Sports Radio on the free Odyssey app across the country. However you're listening to us, we certainly appreciate it. It is Andrew Bogish in for Bill Ryder on this Monday. I'll be here tomorrow and Wednesday as well. A three-night stand as Bill takes all of Thanksgiving weekend off. It has been a while since I've been in this chair looking at the sweet, happy, helpful, accommodating, gracious, mature, humble face of one Tom DeCelestino. I forgot as I sent out the tweets this morning about the show that his handle is now actually at Pretty Daddy CBS. I mean, Godspeed to all those in the DeCelestino family. But it is great to be back in this seat. It is great to have a two-hour workday. It is great to have two hours to spend navigating everybody through Saturday in college football, yesterday in the NFL, Monday night football is a doozy. Eagles and Chiefs this evening. Of course, there's a Taylor Swift angle to that game as well. We will do it all between now and noon Eastern. The great Mike Sando, who covers the NFL for the Athletic, will join us in our number two. And why wouldn't he have wedged himself into a second segment on a Monday show? As if buy or sell is not enough for you and D-Cell, there's also here in our number one something called uh, checks, notes, five things hyphen college football. I can't do it. D-Cell will MC a segment recapping another busy college football Saturday. And can I just say very quickly, could one of these schools do us a favor and lose? They all keep winning. And, okay, fine, the AP poll has adjusted here and there, flipping spots, and we do have a new number one for the last week or two in the college football playoff rankings. But could somebody take an upset loss? Could somebody stumble? Could somebody actually do something that drastically changes this setup to make it a little less confusing, give us a little more drama, give us some moving around? But instead, everybody won again this weekend. But there are questions about Florida State without Jordan Travis. 
There's Washington, there's Georgia, there's Michigan, almost, I'm not almost losing, but battling Maryland without Jim Harbaugh. So a lot of college football today and tomorrow leading into those new CFP rankings. But on a Monday morning, it's got to be football and it's got to be NFL football. And here's this mini segment on the fly. Um, We love names around here. I'm going to call this one, Leave Me Alone. Guys who are driving me nuts, I've had enough with. It's time to move on. Their teams, their franchises need to move on as well. Two head coaches, two coordinators in the crosshairs this morning coming off yesterday's results will begin uh, at the top of the hot seat list, so to speak, with the one and only Brandon Staley, the head coach of your Los Angeles Chargers. Does Staley have a punny nickname on the show? He does not. Okay, we we do have Nathaniel Hackett coming up, and I know what that one is. Does Matt Canada have one, Diesel? He does not. Does Ron Rivera have one? He does. I don't know it. So we'll discover that one together in a second. But first, it's Staley. And man, I, I'm a New Yorker. If I've got to pick somebody, I care the most about the Giants on a personal level. But I've always had, I love San Diego as a city. I had some family live there. I've been there a few times. If I didn't have to live in New York for a number of reasons, I would live in San Diego all the time and barely miss New York. And that love of San Diego has led me to care about the Chargers for a long time. I mean, going as far back as Drew Brees and LaDainian Tomlinson and Junior Seau, they've always kind of been my alternate team. So I have a, a sliver of a personal connection to the plight of this organization now in L.A. and now in year three under Brandon Staley. So I pay extra attention when the Chargers play, and yesterday I've got you know a good chunk of my attention on them playing in Lambeau Field and just continuing to be the Chargers. And the, in particular, the Chargers under Brandon Staley, who, if you don't remember, got this job because he was in charge of the world's best defense when he was in the other L.A. team with the Rams running their D where they were phenomenal. He gets the job with the Chargers, and this defense is anything but phenomenal. If you have a crappy quarterback or don't have an actual quarterback like, say, the Jets, um, they can play defense. If you have anything close to a useful quarterback, an above-average quarterback, the Chargers cannot stop you. They're basically letting teams have their best or second-best offensive day of the season week after week after week. And yesterday was Jordan Love throwing for 332 and two touchdowns, and the Packers win 23-20. The final score matters because that's a fifth, a fifth one-score loss this year for the Bolts. They have also lost the last seven games they've been involved with decided by three points or less. They cannot win close games. They cannot win easily. They cannot lose ugly. They make their fans sit there and deal with all of these tight losses. There are common themes through all of them. Some are a little bit different. Yesterday, they mixed in six dropped passes, three of them by Keenan Allen, and then Quentin Johnston late in the game couldn't haul one in. That might have led to the deciding points in their favor. Instead, he doesn't make that catch. Allen, I think, dropped three passes altogether. They were red zone drops, and they lose by three points again. And... It leads to Brandon Staley in this position where because they keep losing these close games, because they keep just not winning games in general, he sits down and has the same questions thrown at him every single week, basically, and shame on him. He hasn't fixed them, fixed those problems, which would lead to different questions, maybe complementary questions. Instead, he keeps getting bombarded with, why can't you do this? Why can't you get a stop? 
Why can't you score that one last touchdown and win some of these games? And it leads to Brandon Staley being super testy, and he hit a new high slash low yesterday after Lambeau. All sorts of fired up when, again, asked about his job security and the lack of performance from his defense. I'm not here to talk to, to the fan base. I'm here to talk to my players, the locker room. I know that we give ourselves a chance to win every single week with the game plans that we have, okay? And we have done it here. You guys act like we've never played good defense. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. You act like we haven't made any improvements. Today in the run game, we played outstanding. We're rushing the quarterback well. What we got to do a better job of is in the passing game. And that's where our full attention is, and it's where it will continue to be. There were a lot of other things that caused us to lose today. It certainly wasn't our defense. We didn't play well on, enough on the red zone on offense. We dropped too many passes. Okay? We gave up a few killer sacks. Okay? We did this as a team. Stop making it about one unit because that's not what happened out there today. Our team lost, and I am fully responsible for it, and I take full responsibility. But we lost as a team today, and that's the storyline. Okay, so we've seen and heard head coaches say we, we lose as a team, we win as a team. I get all of that, right? But before he gets to that cliche throwaway sentence, he tells us in more than one way how bad his offense was yesterday. And as we said, six drops, some very crucial ones. I think three of the six were in the red zone. The Johnston one late puts the game probably in their favor for good, and he couldn't bring that one in. Sure, they only scored 20 points on the road at Green Bay. That's not a lot of points. They gave up 23. That could, should be enough with Justin Herbert leading your offense to win. So I, I get Staley's point to a certain extent, but other games of this terrible stretch of losing close games have been about his defense. Like two weeks ago when they just could not stop the Lions and they got straight outscored in a game by Detroit. That was on his defense. That wasn't on his offense. And the context has to be that Brandon Staley got this job to build an elite defense. And this defense is not even average. They're last or close to last in almost every important defensive category in the NFL. And that's not acceptable because he's got the talent to have at least a good defense, if not a great one, and they're not even good. So, yeah, maybe yesterday was 55% on the offense, maybe, but the defense had too much to blame yesterday and too much of the blame in general for this guy to keep his job. And then we haven't gotten to all of the debatable decisions he's made in the past. I mean, he probably longs for the days where he's being asked about fourth downs and punts or not punting because that was the initial conversation about Brandon Staley. Now it's boiled down to you can't do the one thing that you got hired to do here to build a defense, and they continue to waste Justin Herbert. And it doesn't matter anymore. There's a handful of teams that almost as a courtesy are being left on the in-the-hunt graphics on these broadcasts of where they fit into the postseason and how close they are to a wild-card spot. The Chargers are just cooked. It just doesn't matter. And they lost Joey Bosa yesterday, carted off in tears with a foot injury. I don't know if it's foot, his Achilles. I don't know what it is, but clearly it's something significant. The amount of pain he was in and the emotions he was showing leaving the field yesterday. I mean, they're just done. There's no reason to believe in this incarnation of the Chargers, that they're going to figure it out, stay healthy, stop making mistakes. And firing him is not going to fix all of those things. But they've got to move on from him. This has to be over. Because I still believe this, there's a good football team in there being held back by the people in charge of it. The Commanders, I don't know if that's a good football team being held back by those in charge, but the guy in charge right now is not helping them be better than they should. And Ron Rivera has been, this is year four for Ron Rivera. 
And what's the sign of progress in Washington? What do you hang your hat on right now that tells you that there's upward trajectory? Sam Howell is what Ron Rivera will put his hat on now, that we have our guy. And I know that some people out there think they have their guy. And there are times where Sam Howell puts up dynamic numbers and looks like a dynamic dynamic quarterback. But yesterday, he was all over the place. Yesterday was a bad Sam Howell day. But again, that's like, okay, he's a young guy. He's new. There's going to be bad days. But yesterday was an unacceptable day, top to bottom, from this organization. They played the Giants for the second time in four weeks. And in both times, they were basically must-win games for Washington to keep themselves in conversation for an NFC wildcard spot. And to prove to us that they were going in the right direction, that they were legit, that we should keep an eye on them through November into December. And then they lost in Jersey, and they scored seven points in that game. And then yesterday, they gave the ball away six times to a team and allowed Tommy DeVito to throw for three touchdown passes. Tommy DeVito's supposed to be a punchline. He's supposed to be a joke with his TD chain and living at home with his mom and all the Jersey Soprano jokes you want to make. That's all he's supposed to be. He's the Giants' third-string quarterback. And he carved up the commanders in Washington while they were giving up six, six, giving them the ball six times, the last of which a pick six from Howell on a throw he was jumping when he made. And that ended the game. And they gave up 24 points to a giant offense that is useless. Useless. And the Giants won going away in Washington. And because it's Washington PS, uh, there was no hot water in the building postgame. So the Giants and Commanders, took, if they took showers, took cold showers before. At least the Commanders were home quickly to shower there. But the Giants came back to New York either with frostbite or in filth because there was no hot water in that building. I mean, again, there is an argument that that entire franchise should just be shut down and moved on from, send them somewhere else. I don't know who needs a team now, but that building needs to go. Thank God there's a new owner. But that new owner is why Ron Rivera's days have to be numbered. It's on the table that Rivera and Staley are in trouble today. I, I don't think that's the likely outcome. But they, they, they have to be dead men walking. They cannot have this job, these jobs, when next season starts. They just can't. I'm more confident in Rivera losing his job because of the new owner wanting to have his guy in that position. And maybe that guy's Eric Bieniemy. maybe it's somebody else. I got no read on the Chargers. Front office, GM, I don't know what they think, what they care, if they are, if they don't, you know, They might simply just not want to have to pay Brandon Staley to not be their head coach. So I don't know what actually happens to him. He should be fired. Rivera should be fired. And then we get to the coordinator level, and I don't know how two teams are letting things get so out of control. The Steelers and the Jets. In Pittsburgh yesterday, or in Cleveland yesterday to be specific, they lost 13-10 to Dorian Thompson Robinson. I'm going to need D-Cell, and this is... Shame on me. I'm going to flip Thomason and Robinson more than once in this conversation, so feel free to jump in. But either way, this young man is technically the Browns' third-string quarterback, but when Deshaun Watson gets hurt, they give him the start, not P.J. Walker. He says, I'm going to be better than the last time out where he was barely 
usable, and he was. He wasn't great, but he didn't wet himself. He didn't ruin the game for the Browns. They let their all-world defense stymie Pittsburgh, which is not necessarily difficult, and that is the problem. Again, we've got a Monday morning, the day after a Steeler game, and we're talking about what Pittsburgh cannot do on offense with Kenny Pickett under center and Matt Canada calling plays. But what's new this time is we have angry Steelers, other pieces of this offense, who are sitting there at their locker yesterday voicing their displeasure, led by running back Najee Harris. Record-wise, man, it's a uh, record-wise I'm good. You know, you can, you can look at the record. And me can do two things. You can look at the record and say, okay, well, we're still good right now. But look at the record and be like, if we keep playing this type of football, how long is Last, right. I look at it like how long last. You know, y'all can look at it like it's a good record, but I mean, it's the NFL. You know, it's winning like how we did. It's not going. It's not going to get us nowhere. The visual of this is pretty stunning too. Or Najee's just sitting on a folding chair at his locker, and it's on the road, so it's just a very kind of barren wood little cubby behind him, and he is surrounded by reporters. And you can see his frustration and his disappointment as he's sitting there. The Steelers, as he said, they're six and four. They're tech. They are six and four, but they don't feel like a team that's two games over 500. And they don't feel like a team that's that dangerous because they simply cannot score points. Now, they're not the Jets in that area, but they're close. And there's, there's many similarities between Pittsburgh and And the other New York team, because it starts at quarterback, it starts with the coordinator, it starts with roster building, it starts with decision making, and it includes pretty significant defenses having great efforts, unchargers-like efforts, completely wasted by stagnant, useless offenses. The Steelers, I mean, look like the greatest show on turf in comparison to the Jets offensively, but Kenny Pickett's doing nothing to confirm that he's the guy for them, big picture. He was 15 of 28 yesterday for 106 yards. Now, the Browns are legitimately good on defense. Very few guys have had good days. But Kenny Pickett just doesn't look like he's the guy. And then yesterday, for whatever reason, Matt Canada and company, late in the game, a chance to to put the game away, to drive four points to win, trying to play the clock game late. All they've got to do is run with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, and Jalen Warren's having a really nice day, and they throw three incompletions and give the ball back to the Browns, and then DTR goes four for four for four yards, and they kick a field goal and they win. I, it's, I, it's, And I've had this conversation with a lot of different co-hosts and partners and throughout my broadcasting career as a, uh, if you've never seen me, Diesel can attest to this. Uh, I am not built like any athlete, but specifically a football player. Never played an official organized down of football in my life. So I know my limitations. But this is the kind of thing that would come up, play calling decisions, and I'd get all worked up about it and have football guys like almost be mad at me that I ha- how do you quit? What do you- and I get it. I get it. But how do you not run the football in this? Like, if I know that you're messing up clock management. If I know it, then you're definitely messing it up. And the Steelers made bad decisions 
and bad execution yesterday, and it cost them a game. They lost to Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And I, I do mean to say that disrespectfully. Like, you, like this, is a, this, is a, this is big boy time. This is a business. You can't, if you're Pittsburgh, you can't lose that game. You just can't. you got to find a way to score 14 points. I know it's on the road. I know it's a great team. But you've got to find those points somewhere. And you've got to use your best guys. And their best guys are the two running backs. And in particular, it's Jalen Warren. And Jalen Warren got nine carries. He ran for a 142. He got nine carries. Give him the football. Give one of them the football when the clock's on your side. Instead, you, you, you give the ball, put the ball in the hands of the inferior part of your offense. They can't come through, and you lose, and you deserve it. And Matt Canada still has his job. And with the Jets, a lot of people still have their job, and I don't know why either, because this is embarrassing. And I stuck, from the, from the beginning, I understood, I said, yes, go with Zach Wilson. Early. Like, this is from week one, the minute after Rodgers' injury. See what Zach Wilson actually can be, because we actually don't still know what his ceiling is. And his ceiling might be better than Colt McCoy, or every name you were throwing around back in week one, coming off the street to find a job. And then I stood with their logic longer than most people did. But I'm on like week three or four now of, of if, if, if there's anyone left on this thing, I mean, finally, Robert Sala isn't apparently, because here's the head coach after the game yesterday in Buffalo when they scored six points, and Zach Wilson, I think, went an entire first half without completing a pass to a wide receiver. Finally, Robert Sala goes, ah, uh, yeah, maybe we'll have a new quarterback soon. Uh, we're we're going to watch the tape and, just, and uh, we'll make a decision tomorrow. Is it possible Trevor could um, We'll look at all of it. I'm, I'm not ready to answer any of those questions yet. Yeah, that Trevor is Trevor Simeon, by the way. He's been quarterback three for the Jets, never active. They didn't bring anybody in after Aaron Rodgers' injury. Then they finally brought Simeon in, and he hasn't even gotten a jersey yet for a game. But at this point, what does it matter? Because Zach Wilson just can't do it. The offensive line is useless. There's no doubt about that. And he has almost no time to throw. I don't know that anybody could be good behind this offensive line. But... If we assume that the offensive line gets a little bit better, the Jets are not all of a sudden going to score 24 points a game because Zach Wilson can't play the position. He just can't. I don't know what the breakdown is, mental, physical, but he just can't do it. And they've waited too long. This is not salvageable now. Are they four and six now? They can't. It just It's not doable. Even with the Browns, who knows, and the Bengals, who knows even more, minus Joe Burrow. But the Jets can't catch up because the answer is not Tim Boyle. It's not Trevor Simeon either. They missed the boat on getting a guy like Josh Dobbs to come in and fix this. It's too late now. And Aaron Rodgers can tell us all he wants about, I'm coming back here and then. I've got a new theory on this, by the way. Do I have a time, do I have time here for a second? Yeah? Diesel says yes. People here in New York keep thinking that Aaron Rodgers had a, has had a say in this, that he's been campaigning for Zach Wilson to keep this job. And the Jets didn't bring anybody else in because Rodgers didn't want that. And it always didn't make sense to me. But here's how it does make sense. I think Aaron Rodgers, because he is this kind of an evil mastermind, I think he wanted, if he was saying, no, 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 Zach's fine, Zach's fine, it's because, get ready for this, d 
he wanted the Jets to be bad, to take off the table the idea of him playing again in December. This is the storyline he wanted. I'm doing my best. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'll be back. I'll be back. Ugh. There's no point now. You know, now we're 5-10. and 10. We can't make it. I, I tried, guys. Never had the intention of coming back. This is why he wanted Zach Wilson, to make sure there was not a scenario where he could actually risk further injury by coming back miraculously in four days from a torn Achilles. Let that marinate. you got to break to tell me how crazy I am on that. When we come back, uh, some good things from Sunday. In particular, my most fascinating team of this NFL season continued to be fascinating yesterday. We'll do that after this on CBS Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Writer Than You. We're going to throw the show plan out the window. Okay? We're going to lean into jazz, Tommy. I love that. I absolutely love that. On CBS Sports Radio. You can stream the NFL on Westwood One for free. Sponsored by AutoZone. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. I was shocked to see as I sat down this morning that uh, Pretty Daddy does actually still make a rundown, knowing that it is very rarely followed on this show. But he's got to have a rundown for his segments to be listed. So it's a very personal thing. We got things to do, man. We got things to do, including an update. Marco Belletti is playing the role of me today while I fill in for Bill Ryder. It is bogish. Uh, Today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, happy to be with you. I truly am happy to be with D-Cell for these next three days while Bill takes a very deserved week off. The Detroit Lions, no surprise to any of you, are one of these stories in the NFL this year. I think I love them more than most because I was so confused by Dan Campbell at the beginning. Um, It seemed like a lot. I thought it was going to be too much. I'm completely wrong, and I'm enjoying them proving me wrong week in and week out. They're 8-2. and after winning yesterday against the Bears. It's their best 10-game start since 1962. 
and they did it uh, kind of an old school way yesterday. I think I've mentioned this on the air, but it's been a while. When Jared Goff was coming into the NFL and was the original Jared Goff in the with the Rams, something in my brain would make me type goof instead of Goff in my scripts for things like this or updates, and it fit for the most part, right? He was a little more goofy than anything else. Completely reborn in Detroit until yesterday. Now, one ball was tipped, right? It weren't all his fault, but there was some goofiness with Jared yesterday. Three interceptions, and the Lions very much in danger of losing to the Bears, which in this day and age you really can't do if you're going to be a good team. And as good teams do, they rally, touchdown, touchdown, safety for the final points. They get the win. They get to 8-2. and two. Goff rebounds from the three interceptions, leads the late two touchdown drives, and gets this win. And it's just another way, another reason to believe in this team. They just know now how to get to the finish line. And they've been winning at a really high clip going back into the end of last regular season thrown on top of this 8-2 and two mark to begin this year. Jared Goff overcame Jared Goff. The rest of the team bailed him out. I mentioned it already. They straight outscored the Chargers in a game in L.A., which was a great game recently. They just they know how to get it done. The one caveat remains, they're still not awesome on defense. And yesterday, they let Justin Fields show off kind of the dream Justin Fields scenario, some beautiful throws, one of which should have been caught late. And if it was caught late, Maybe the Bears actually do get that win, but we saw Fields' arm. He ran for 104 yards yesterday. That is the one concern on this Lions team. Is When push comes to shove, late December, January, can they play defense well enough to beat the other elite teams in the NFC? We will not know that for a while. What we know right now is, defense aside, they're 8-2, and two, and they're fun, Campbell was a maniac again, post-game locker room yesterday. They're good TV. That was a good TV effort yesterday from them. And again, for a franchise that's been so bleh for so long, they just keep winning football games. We need more D-Cell. Five things. Your college football recaps coming up in just a second. But first, your update. Here's Marco Belletti. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Writer Than You. We're going to throw the show plan out the window. Okay, we're going to lean into jazz, Tommy. I love that. I absolutely love that. On CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Checks notes, Tom does not love that. What he loves is scheduled segments starring himself. So here we go. 
It's called Five Things. Your security clearance is on a need-to-know basis. And these are five things you need to know. Number one. All right, Bogus. Five things you need to know about this weekend in college football. Number one, Florida State found themselves down 13-0 after the first quarter on Saturday to North Alabama. Is that the Crimson Tide or is that a different Alabama? No, that's a different Alabama. Okay. A little bit different so in terms of talent. that's one thing I have learned. To make matters even worse, Andrew, they lost quarterback Jordan Travis to a gruesome leg injury. And if you are queasy, do not go back and watch the replay. You do not want to see it. I had to see it. It was not. Don't listen to T-Cell. Are you the type that watches it once just for reference, or do you watch these ugly injuries over and over? Uh, no. Once. I just I need to see it for whatever reason. Uh, not necessarily for work. I just I need to see it when I don't see it. So I did go and find this, and it it was not worth the effort. I watched it once as well. I have no need or desire to ever see it yeah. again. Now, Seminoles backup Tate Rodmaker led FSU's 58-13 comeback win. Florida State finished with over 500 yards of total offense and five rushing touchdowns. FSU looks to finish their unbeaten regular season this week against Florida in Gainesville. And Florida, by the way, lost its starting quarterback, Graham Mertz, to a, quote, significant collarbone injury. So that's backup quarterbacks galore in that game. And as still no diagnosis, but as long as Florida State plays, I can't imagine Jordan Travis plays. So he's done. The committee has put itself, because of precedent and otherwise, and bad decisions now, they're in a really difficult position. Historically, I don't know if it's actually written anywhere, but this is the way that prior committees have worked. They do not project. They don't penalize. If you lose a key player, like your starting quarterback, you you know they just judge you. They don't go, oh, well, they're not the same team now. In this case, Florida State can't be number four. They won. They won going away. But they beat North Alabama, which doesn't change their resume. And the problem that I see that they've painted themselves into is they have made a multi-week mistake by not having Washington State, Washington in this position. The Huskies, to me, should be the fourth team in this top four, not the Knowles. But it has been the Knowles for whatever reason. I'm still not sure what the reason is. But they like FSU better than Washington. So FSU now is locked in at number four. So can he... And if you're not going to judge them or penalize them for losing Jordan Travis, as long as they keep winning, they're going to stay there, right? I mean, Washington has better wins on paper than Florida State does, and they're still not ahead of them. So I, I, they're in the spot now where Florida State is no longer Florida State. But because, in my estimation, the committee has messed up the rankings up until this Saturday, the Knowles are going to benefit because they're in the right spot to not have their starting QB going down held against them. Number two. All right, Andrew. Since Michigan accepted the three-game suspension for Jim Harbaugh, he watched his second straight game from a hotel room on Saturday. Now, the Wolverines jumped out to a 16-3 lead on Maryland after the first quarter, yet the Terps made a game of it, outscoring Michigan 21-15 in the final three quarters. In the end, the Wolverines held on for the 31-24 win. The 24 points allowed were a season high for Michigan, and it was also their 1,000th win in program history. They'll look to stay undefeated as they play Ohio State 
to end the regular season. I, I think that last sentence is the most important thing, not the beginning of Harbaugh in a hotel room. I think that was Michigan kind of spinning its wheels ahead of Ohio State, why things were more difficult against Maryland than we probably thought they should have been. Plus, it comes in between Penn State and Ohio State, so it would have felt like a trap game with Harbaugh on the sideline. We'll learn something about his absence this weekend with this game finally here. And really, all Ohio State-Michigan breakdown at this point seems to be pointless because we have this game coming. And this game, like, it, it doesn't matter who you think is better right now. Whoever wins on Saturday is going to be in the spot in the CFP. The one, I guess, caveat is people seem to think Ohio State could survive losing more than Michigan could. That Michigan would not stay in the top four if they lost because the rest of their resume is so weak, strength of schedule, that if they lose to Ohio State, there's nothing to talk their way back in. There could theoretically be a case for the Buckeyes if they lose next weekend. But either way, that game decides everything. And uh, without Harbaugh there, it's going to matter a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be the deciding factor for the Wolverines and the Buckeyes this weekend. With no Harbaugh on the sidelines, Bogus, is there more pressure on Ryan Day? Does it become like a must-win for Ryan Day? But then why do we say it's this punishment, and I use air quotes here, He's coaching all week, and we're saying it's not a big deal if he's not there on Saturday. So that's been my confusion all along, too. For those people who think that Harbaugh and Michigan are the victims here, nobody thinks this is a real punishment. So what are they the victims of? Like, they're not really getting in trouble, and he's two for two so far. He's going to prep them to the last possible minute on Saturday. So, like, to me, there's always been, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, these punishments are no big deal but they're getting screwed here. You can't be screwed by a hollow punishment. That seems to be the argument that a lot of folks are making here for Michigan. Number three. All right, let's head out west. The Huskies went into Corvallis and squeaked out a 22-20 win over the Beavers on Saturday night. Quarterback Michael Penix Jr. was held to a season-low 162 passing yards and completed less than 50% of his passes for the first time all year. Now, Washington has already secured their spot in the Pac-12 championship game and will look to finish out the regular season undefeated in the Apple Cup this weekend against Washington State. I watched a lot of this game in a beautiful hotel room in uh, the Wilmington, Newark, Delaware area on Saturday night. Uh, If you didn't watch, the weather sucked in this game. Nobody played offense well. Washington won that game without scoring a point in the second half. That follows close wins over Stanford and Arizona State, teams that are not great either, and that seems to be the argument against the Huskies, why they're behind Florida State in in the rankings. But to me, man, it's just, it's hard to win. It's just hard to win. And other times, I've definitely been in the nitpicking category. You need to win by more. You need to win better. You need to win more impressively. But for Washington, I don't, I did not leave Saturday's game going, that tells me that they're not that good. That tells me that they are good that they can survive a scoreless second half in bad conditions on the road in the Pac-12 ranked opponent and get the win. Number four. All right. After losing their fifth straight and sixth out of their last seven games, Deion Sanders in Colorado will not be bowl eligible after starting the season 3-0. The Buffaloes were blown out by Washington State on Friday night 56-14, and Coach Prime was trying to put his emotions in perspective after the game. 
very sad of how we played. We practiced hard this past week. We prepared like no other. And to go or display a performance like that, it's not indicative of who we are, what we are, how we are. Still trying to figure out our identity, trying to figure out who we are in, in, in turbulent times. And I still don't know. After all these weeks, I still don't know. Dion went on to say it was the toughest stretch in his life. Not his playing or coaching career, his life. Colorado finishes their season this week in Utah against the Utes. So clearly, starting 3-0 is the worst possible thing for Colorado because it sent the hype machine out of control. And we're guilty, too. I'm not guilty. I didn't get... Dizorris' hand in a rare showing of humility and personal awareness. He got carried away. However, and I'm not celebrating this, nor am I promoting celebrating this, but it is surprising to me that after we spent, like, September gushing over Dion, that we're not allowed to point out the things that he's not doing. Like, even two weeks ago when he kind of threw his old lineman under the bus because they can't block anybody, and that was okay. Pat Narduzzi said something similar about Pitt, and people freaked out. You have to be allowed to critique Dion after you love Dion, and he has not been a good enough head coach in the back half of this year to figure out ways for his team to be more competitive. And he has not stopped stopped this free fall that hit a different low in this game, too. And I'm not happy this is happening, but and I know we're not going to learn this lesson, but maybe we'll think about it. Like, let's just slow down a little bit and not get so carried away by a couple of games in September against teams that weren't that good to begin with. So beating them was not the huge accomplishment that we all thought it was. Number five. All right, Bogus, going into this weekend, UCLA head coach Chip Kelly was rumored to be on his way out, but the Bruins beat USC 38-20. to The Trojans finished their regular season 7-5, and losing their last three of five, losing their last three and five of their last six. Lincoln Riley is now just 7-7 seven and seven in his last 14 games, dating back to last season's Pac-12 championship game. And to put that into perspective, Riley lost just seven regular season games in five years <laughs> at Oklahoma. Caleb Williams is thought to be the number one pick in the draft this year, and he may have finished his college career never reaching the college football playoff or winning a conference championship. And Bogus on Saturday, I know this grinds your gears. Caleb elected not yeah. to meet the media. It does grind my gears. I wish he did it. I don't know the process if they tried to talk him into it or anything like that. Um, it should not. This shouldn't come up again in terms of if you're making a case not to draft him number one because of this or the crying thing. You're going about this the wrong way. The dude can flat out play. This is about his head coach. What did I call the first segment? Leave me alone. I don't think Lincoln Riley should lose the USC job at the moment, but I've had enough. I need a break. I need I need them to go away. I need them to reset because of the, the stupid stuff that he's done this year, banning that reporter, other media things, talking so confidently and kind of condescendingly at times where he let his, off, his defense coordinator stick around for too long and ruin the whole thing. And again, much like Dion. This is where coaches matter. You've got to fix this. You've got to stop this. And the landslide never stopped. 
And that goes back to him. And much, much more so than D-Cell, uh, than D-Cell, than Dion, same person. Um, this one I actually did uh, kind of enjoy. I'm not a big Lincoln Riley guy. I don't think he's handled this job uh, and the outward kind of the, 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 the public-facing part of it well. So I, I definitely did not mind USC as a brand having this bad stretch because him having a sweat and kind of twist and turn in the winds here, I might maybe have enjoyed it. And maybe he learned the lesson that this ain't Oklahoma anymore, that it's going to be the Big Ten, it's Los Angeles, and it's real national media, and it's a, you know it's USC, that he's got to go about his business differently on the field, off the field. Maybe he learns from this, or maybe we're finding out that his genius only goes so far, and L.A. is too far for that. But that's not for now. That's for a year from now, maybe. Oh, Those are Bill Ryder's five things you need to know well, on CBS Sports Radio's Writer Than You. It's really D-Cell's five things you need to know. Um, but again, whatever. Um, D-Cell returns segment two, hour two, buy or sell. I did submit one thing to discuss in there, so I did do my part in that segment. Uh, that's another D-Cell feature. Mike Sando, who writes so well about the NFL at The Athletic, he will join us to start off hour number two. We'll dive deeper into Eagles-Chiefs, Monday Night Football, and as always, uh, as much as I complain uh, and nudge him here about leading two segments of the show, I do need D-Cell's help because, of course, the universe delivered a situation for me coming here this morning. That is perfect for D-Cell and his disregard for most other humans. So we'll get his terrible take on what I was involved with this morning in hour number two as well. D-Cell, D-Cell, Mike Sando, Monday Night Football. It's all coming up next in hour two. Writer Than You on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.